Hey, it's your host, Abigail Pumphrey, and I'm on a personal mission to help more small business owners become financially free. I like to nerd out on all things business, marketing, and most definitely the numbers. I'm talking all the lessons learned as I turned a layoff into a seven-figure online business. I like to share it all and no conversation is off the table. We talk actionable strategies, biz challenges, and all the things life throws your way. Grief, anxiety, loss, and resilience are all topics you'll find here. So grab a cup of coffee and settle in because you're listening to the Strategy Hour podcast brought to you by Boss Project. Have you ever absolutely panicked after you accidentally deleted a file on your computer? I know I have. It's not an issue if you've got Crash Plan Smart Recovery. Your files are just a few clicks away and can be restored in a snap. Crash Plan provides the best cloud backup solutions in the market. Visit CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. Now you can protect all your work with an unlimited backup and recovery solution. CrashPlan makes it simple to restore some or all of your data. And with unlimited version retention, CrashPlan can be your ultimate rewind button. Get unlimited computer backup for you or your business with CrashPlan Professional. CrashPlan backs up files that live on your computer and works with PC, Mac, and Linux. Don't let data disasters slow you down. CrashPlan has your back and keeps you moving. Go to CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. That's CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year. Back up better with CrashPlan. So I know you're interested in murder mystery and like historical events that just involve a lot of death so I feel like I feel like if you haven't watched this yet you would enjoy it despite it being level creepy like I mean up there for sure have you seen the new documentary that just dropped on Hulu called Truth and Lies Jamestown Paradise Lost about the Jamestown murders no Jamestown Jonestown sorry I was like no Jonestown. I've seen a documentary on Jonestown, but this is a new one? It's a new one. It's a whole season, multiple episodes, very in-depth. No, I can't remember the one I watched years ago, but that one had like footage from... Oh, it does. It's creepy. Yep, it is creepy. So if you've ever wondered where the phrase don't drink the Kool-Aid comes from, it is from Jonestown and specifically this... Jim Jones, cult leader, disguised as a pastor of a large religious group. And the part that I didn't realize, I mean, I had heard that, like, don't drink the Kool-Aid. I had heard this man existed and all of these deaths had happened. What I didn't realize is he built his paradise thing, like, in an African country. In Africa, yes. He started here and got followers in a movement and then convinced them that like the only way to live free and off the land and in a community would be in Africa and got people to fly out there and build this commune and community and work as he continued to spew his rhetoric. And yeah, he's a literal serial murderer. It is I guess maybe not serial because in order to qualify as serial, there has to be time in between. He's a mass murderer. Mm -hmm. Over 900 deaths. Yeah. Yeah. 
And the whole reason it went down, which is just baffling to me, this doesn't even really ruin it, honestly, but because it's just so crazy. The whole story is so crazy. But he knew he couldn't go back to the United States. And so he's like, well, if I can't go back, then none of you can go back. And you're coming down with me, basically. Yeah, the people who... Well, and what's even what did it go over the like shootings that happened at the airport when some right people tried to leave the the what they were calling a revolutionary suicide, which was not that by the way, is <laughs> not, not that not, so not. it's murder, it's manipulation. But there was just like so much that went before it that is just wild to me. And yeah, the thing that I think is so crazy. I mean, I've watched quite a few things about cults. I don't know why I like cult documentaries, but I do. Cults are fascinating. They're so fascinating. But often their leader starts fairly innocent. And like, I think these people like become crazy. I haven't found a cult that I just like genuinely thought the person was crazy from the get go. Like a oh, lot of times me, they I just I see I disagree. good intention in people initially. Mm -mm, I don't. <laughs> I don't. I think anyone who's trying to get anyone to join something just so salacious and like where there are that many rules of behavior and like guidelines around everything. It's just, it's so hard to see and watch from the outside of, I have not known personally anyone in a cult that intense but you know when people join like i think people who join have good intentions i don't think the leader ever has good intentions interesting i think that the people in the families who join are hoping to get something out of it and need community or need support or need family or need therapy like and they do often get that out of there and yeah, they typically do get some sort of sense of community or belonging mm -hmm. that fills a need for them even temporarily. Because hearing some of the survivor stories, it was clear to me that they didn't 100% hate it the whole time. Like, oh, I agree. Yeah. Like yeah. often yeah. they have very positive things to yeah. say about I think the only people I've heard who've hated it the whole time are children who were either born or brought into a cult on like against their will or like they didn't get to choose to be there. It maybe wasn't against their will at first because they weren't like fighting it because they were a literal child. But if they grew up into it and then were able to escape later, it's wild hearing it from their perspective also. It's very fascinating. I mean, I think cults are the biggest look into like human psychology and behavior that we can get. And it's so fascinating to me how easy it can happen. Oh, I'm remembering this thing. I'm going to have to look it up to try to figure out what it was because it's all like just poured into my brain right now. I think it was on a podcast. It had to have been. So there was this study years ago where a teacher in, I believe it was a public school. He's like a history teacher is wanting to, so he's teaching about Nazi Germany and they're talking about Hitler and basically everyone, because everyone wants to say this, right? Everyone is like, I would never do that because part of his curriculum was like how many German soldiers like fought for the Nazi army. I don't know if that's what it's called. I'm not going to use the right language, but like people who like willingly turned in like 
Jewish people and like just did bad things and then later said, oh, I didn't mean to do those bad things. Like I just did it because I was told to do it. I was in the army and that I was just following rules, right? And how many times have you heard that with how many instances? Like I wouldn't have done that if it were up to me, but I was told to do it. So I did it, right? And so this teacher of like high school students decided to experiment by kind of turning his classroom into this like dictatorship where he separated the students and you could be a part of the party and he called it something and you wore like an armband that signified that you were in the party. And if you didn't have it, then you weren't in the party. And like people clearly knew that you weren't in it. And it was like innocent at first, but within literal two weeks, like it took off into this like life of its own of how quickly students fall into line of very strict rule and, you know, restrictions on what they could and couldn't do in the classroom and who could and couldn't be in. They were recruiting people like it was bananas. And he, as an educator of children to like, as an old man was being interviewed and he was like, every ounce of my body regrets that I did that because I did not know that it would be that fast. And I did not know that it would affect these students in the way that it did. And like, I think I had like lasting effects on them because of what we went through in two weeks. Like it's wild. And so just like control and human behavior and direction. Control and human behavior. And even if you look specifically at like how many people under the age of 25, like before you have full brain Your development. Your brain is not there. <laughs> and so much manipulation and don't even get me started on like current conflict, like what's happening in Ukraine and all of that. Anyway, right. I just right. like, there's so much going on and it's, I will say it's not that I want to put a nose on like, terrible things to come. But I will say one of the things that really struck me, but also terrified me was that they said this came out of a time of government distrust. Yes. And be prepared. This will happen again and it will be bigger than last time. It's already happening. So while we may not have a name for it, just do it. Mm -hmm. Well, on a lighter note of shows to watch, (laughs) I don't know what platform it's on. Maybe it's on Netflix because I just saw a screenshot of it last night in a friend's stories. In the summertime, I just don't watch that much TV. I don't know why. It is just not interesting to me. So I haven't even opened Netflix in forever, but I think it's on Netflix. Do you know there's a Shania Twain documentary? No. Oh my God. I'm so a friend of mine shared it on stories last night and I was like, what? Like, I didn't know this was a thing. And it's a multi-part episode goes through her career and like how she like writes her music and decides like that her brand and like that it's a very, very interesting. I freaking love Shania Twain. And so she was, I don't know how to explain it, but like, yeah, like I paid attention to some boy bands when I was young, like Backstreet Boys and Hanson and NSYNC and stuff. But like the first two artists that I actually genuinely cared about and like loved their music was Taylor Swift and Shania Twain, hands down. Mm hmm. You didn't have anyone before Taylor Swift. I mean, Shania Twain came before Taylor Swift, but. Not really. I just sang a lot in church and like, I didn't necessarily, my school was close when I was that age. So like the school was literally a minute. Did you go to any concerts as a kid? 
The first concert I went to was Hillary Duff. Jealous. <laughs> How old were you? I mean, close to her age, and she was probably 12, 13, yeah. 14. Definitely in like her Lizzie McGuire days of sorts. Yeah. My first concert was George Strait. My parents took me, or my mom took me. I don't know if my parents took me. My mom took me when I was little. I went to a Reba concert, a Garth Brooks concert. Can you tell I grew up in Oklahoma? (laughs) I went to a Britney Spears concert. I went to an NSYNC concert, a Justin Timberlake concert, multiple Taylor Swifts. I've been to a lot of shows, I think. Yeah, I'm realizing. Uh, I, I went didn't... to a lot of emo shows when I was in high school. Oh my! That oh, was my thing. No, I did that, but it was mostly like the high school band shows. Like that doesn't count. I'm just telling you. That's what I did. <laughs> it was I like did. four guys I had when had a crush on one of them. No, I went to Three Eleven. I went to My Chemical Romance. I went to Panic at the Disco. I went to Dashboard. No, you need to understand. Tour. Your parents like to have a good time. My parents were scared I would die walking around the grocery store. Oh, yeah. No, my parents, yeah. My parents were telling me, like, you need to go do more things. Stop staying at home and reading, you old nerd. Go out and do stuff. So I was like, okay, I'll go see an emo band and sing my heart out. (laughs) And I did. And it was amazing. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Well... Let's get started because y'all, we are here for part three of the series that's absolutely changing your life. The four things a service business owner must get right. If you have not listened to part one and part two, you can pause right now and go, or you can listen to this and then go listen to those. They're not necessarily in a consecutive order of like step by step, but you do need to listen to this one before you listen to the next one. So stay here, listen to this one, because today we're talking about what could like probably be our favorite thing here at Boss Project, and it's designing your systems for structure. And if structure isn't the sexiest word you've ever heard of in your life, then I don't know what is. It brings me back to, I just, I think a lot of you crave what happened in grade school and high school. And you miss kind of like having an agenda and like places to be and things to work on. Your little planner with your tasks. Did your high school give you like yearly agendas and planners? Like when the school year started? Yes. Loved it. It was amazing. It didn't have my classes in it. I had yes. to add my classes I missed to those. it. They were like custom to that. They had like that school year, that school on it. It was amazing. I loved the planner life. And I kind of struggled to figure out what it would look like as I grew up and aged. And especially because I feel like we were in this weird technology warp where like everything was paper and then everything started going digital as we came into the workforce. And so like there was absolutely... I would say when we were early on in our career, especially here, there's a lot of like wars of like, are you a planner person or are you doing it online in some kind of way? But I think for those of you who have craved the yesteryears of that kind of structure or felt like, you know, running your own business, often the idea of having no one tell you what to do and when can be so overwhelming. There's so many decisions to be made. There's so much you have to choose and decide. And I remember feeling decision fatigue really hard when we first started our business. 
and was like, I need someone else to decide every other aspect of my life because by the time I'm done with work, I have no more decisions left to be made. Like, I just can't. Well, and the thing is, is like, you know, we take it a step further from the, what do you do day to day? Like that's definitely involved in the structure that we help you set up inside the incubator. But I think like everyone forgets that like your entire business and multiple departments, even if it's still just you or a couple of VAs or a couple part-time employees still need structure. And I think we forget not only the importance of it, but, and I'm going to harp on y'all for a second, that this is like literally part of your job when you, especially once you reach consistent 10K months, you skirting by saying, I got this far without a system. I've got this far without structure. Let me just keep going to see how far I can take it is going to be detrimental to the success of your business. And when we sit there and we talk to clients who are, you know, multiple six figure, seven figure clients who are literally burning the candle at both ends. And they think that the problem is so much bigger than what it is and that it's going to take either so much money or so many people or so much time or learning or whatever to figure out when like, really, you just don't have a freaking structure like at all. And if you just had that, it's not just an easy button. There are multiple things that need to be set up, but like that, that can actually be the difference in you enjoying your job again and being more profitable and delivering a better experience. Yeah. Inside the program, we kind of call this the art and architecture and specifically like, it's not just your org chart and who's working and where they're working. It's how everything fits together. It's like the Legos of your business, you know, like how operationally are you handling customer service? How are you tracking client projects and progress? How are you managing your calendar? How are you making sure you're staying on top of finances? These are all individual systems that work together for a greater good, i.e. the business as a whole. And I think so out for your business. Say that again. It's the cult for your business. Oh my. It's oh my. That determines what you should do. No, 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 no. So if you have all these individualized systems, I think the thing that ends up happening for the majority is you may have one or two like really great systems that you're good about. Like you undoubtedly pay your bills if in your business. You pay off your credit card, whatever. Maybe because I've even seen people who like they're great at delivering their product, but then terrible at invoicing their clients. And then I'm like, and they're worried about cash. And then they realize they have 28 invoices invoices they haven't sent out. And so I want you to be thinking about all of the systems inside your business and ultimately how they can work together. And if there's not a system in a place Like what can be there to help you move forward? Want to learn exactly step-by-step how to get paid to generate leads in your business? I've kept these details to myself for far too long. I'm ready to spill everything and give you the exact steps that help me generate tens of thousands of qualified leads and millions in low-ticket digital product sales. I won't just show you what I did, but teach you how you can do it too. I'm talking not just how to create low-ticket digital products, but also showing you how to use them strategically to generate leads for your other existing or future offers. I'm sharing it all at bossproject.com slash jumpstart.
including exactly how I made $8,033 and generated 277 leads my very first month selling digital products. Find out more at bossproject.com slash jumpstart. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. With over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. I love that Indeed makes it easy to hire because I'm busy enough already. When we've hired in the past, the process was full of unqualified applicants. With Indeed, we can target the right candidates for the right position. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Just go to Indeed.com slash strategy hour right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Money issues are a common stressor in any relationship. Monarch Money is the top-rated personal finance app that can get you and your partner on the same page without any extra cost. Monarch has built-in collaboration features, so together you can see your finances, budget, and get insights on your cash flow. It's the easiest way to manage any household finances. I've tried other finance apps in the past, and they didn't work the way I wanted them to. I don't want to stress over finances. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com strategy. Monarch has a tool that allows you to easily import your data from Mint and keep all of your tags and categories. Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it so easy to get Get set up, customize, and use. Monarch prioritizes my privacy, and they'll never sell my data to third parties. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com strategy. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash strategy for your extended 30-day free trial. Now, before we get too much more into this, I think it's really important to talk about how often in an ideal world... You'd have systems for everything, but a lot of times your resistance comes from feeling like, well, I have to get client input here. And so I can't systematize this process because I'm just chasing people down all the time. Mm -hmm. Well, and so in the conversation that we've been having of, and I'll just recap really quickly, the reason why this entire series came about is because the resources that I had been finding are geared towards service-based businesses that aren't like y'all's, right? They're on the bigger scale. It's Walmart, which is a service-based business. If you really boil it down to it, it's like really big commerce bank progressive. We've been talking about them through this entire series, but what we like to do is look at how those businesses function and make decisions and figure out how can we tweak that for the businesses that y'all run that are on a smaller scale, but you still need structure to thrive. And so all of those businesses, the goal that they have at the end of the day, when it comes to their systems for structure is to figure out how to get their customers involved in the in creation without 
it's slowing the process down. And I truly think that this is one of the biggest areas of opportunity, even for y'all, because most of you are delivering a service that requires your client's contribution. But if we don't have the systems or structure set up, it's also going to slow it down, make it not be able to be replicatable for every single client. All of the things that are going to enable you to deliver a productized service is going to get hung up in this cog right here if we don't figure out the structure. Yeah, I think for the majority, it's not that you're not involving them. It's just that you're involving them in such a way that it is taking away from you moving forward. And so one of the things I want you to think about early on when you're structuring your package is if you know, undoubtedly, you're going to have to get feedback and input from your client, can you remove the barriers that are causing them to wait to get back to you? And a great example is you need them to fill out XYZ form that has all this information so you can produce copy for something. What if, if you have a problem with people tending to not fill out this form in a timely manner, you could move that to an interview call of sorts and you record the call and they're way more likely to come to an event that's 20 or 30 minutes than spend an hour or two filling out a form. And so you can remove these barriers that make it easier for them to be involved and feel like a more high touch experience along the way. Well, because the thing that, that we're bringing up is how can you integrate ways of managing customers that is still consistent with the service attributes that you've chosen to emphasize? So remember when we figured out our service excellence from part one, this is a way that you can actually show up there. Right. Now, one of the things I want to point out, especially in this like time and era that we're in with the economy being at question and are we at the beginning of a new recession and all of this stuff. One of the ways you can be more economy resistant, so to speak, not be so much at the whims of the ups and downs, specifically if you're in the B2B space, is find a service that piques the interest of the CEO or owner. And if you can make their involvement, a critical piece of the puzzle, you are way more likely to see less dip in an economy downturn. If this is a subject matter or type of service that they would typically, you know, hire someone internally, and thus they're just like choosing to outsource to you. If it becomes something that is more a low level service, not that your service is low level by any means, but something that is not as important to the end game for them, you're going to find that there's more ebbs and flows there. And so I love to think about like, regardless of what you're ultimately delivering, if you're in the B2B space, there's typically pretty easy ways for you to take an existing service and really up-level it to make it a priority for the people at the top, regardless of how big that business is. And I love making those minor tweaks because I think it's really helpful, but their involvement will not only give them buy-in to what they're doing, but really create a sense of like ownership in the end product. I think, again, they're way more likely to refer you. I agree. And I think that this is an excellent idea for Pivot for those of you who are consistently getting booked out and at 10K plus months where you're figuring out, okay, what is my next 
pivot of like, you don't want to do a 180. We just want to do it a little quick over to the left, to the right of who we're talking to, how it's delivered, the cost, what's inside. And that's what we help you refine inside the program is who, if you're even offering this to is the right person. And especially once you have that experience under your belt where you've gotten consistent high level income months and getting booked out and you're, you're literally turning clients away, then that is a clear sign that you're ready to up-level the person that you're actually selling to. And I absolutely love the conversations that we have with clients when, you know, they're maybe frustrated about how a conversation went or how a client's making too long to get back to them about this decision. And I'm like, "Mm, I don't think you're actually talking to the right person in that company. And if you just talk to this person, like, I really feel like you could get that buttoned up right away. And the ability for you to increase what you're charging, increase the impact that you're having, increase the response time and even deliverable time by working with higher ups is astronomical. Yeah. Now, I think the interesting part about creating involvement from them that doesn't slow down your process is you can often save on labor, which sounds crazy, but like having someone be a part of what you're doing, it gains buy-in. You're more likely to get a referral, but it tends to also be less expensive. Someone who is totally far removed there tends to be a lot more research involved or a lot more interviewing involved of outside people, client interviews, whatever. The more it's completely done for you versus done with you, your internal costs go up exponentially. Yes. And that's exactly what I was going to say is I think the fork in the road mistake that people can make at this stage of business is they are tired. They're turning away clients and they're not understanding what the next move is in order to scale in a way that feels alignment with them. So they're like, okay, how can I get more off my plate? So that means automating the deliverables and getting me away from the client when instead I want you to get closer to the client and away from the structure that's setting up behind the scenes. And the structure should run itself. Yes. And you should just be focused more on like the structure should free up your time so that you can focus more on the client and potentially spend more time with that client throughout the client process. Because the thing that people assume that most people assume, most service providers assume is that creating too much structure or too many systems or anything automated with their client experience will weaken the client experience when in fact it actually does the opposite. It not only enhances the client experience, creates a more predictable, amazing deliverable, creates higher customer client satisfaction because what they're getting is expected and it's been overly communicated and it's on time and it's a great experience for them even digitally, right? But it frees you up in order to pour into your clients in the way that you actually want to do. I remember when we were chatting with one of our clients who came to us wanting to increase her client capacity because she wanted to make more money. And so, you know, it was the typical cycle that we see of I need to get more clients so I can make more money, but I'm at capacity. So I need to hire more people in order to serve those clients But that like transition of making that happen, like it's like a chicken or the egg kind of scenario. And so when we helped her actually refine her offer to be even more impactful, to be more hands-on with the client, 
to be an automated structure, not deliverable, but structure, she was able to increase her prices. Her customers were happier. And she, this is the biggest impact. Like the money came, that was great. More money came. Obviously that's an amazing side effect of the work that we do together. But the really cool part was she came on a call and she was like, I actually got to sit down with a client. And when they wanted to bring up a new project idea, which she would have been able to make more money by saying yes to, she was able to be excited about brainstorming that with them instead of being like, nope, sorry, got to go. Like I have 10,000 other things on my list. I don't even have brain space to do this. So the things that like open up for you when these changes happen behind the scenes are stuff that like you can't even predict will happen. Yeah. I can think of a couple like really simple things that make a massive difference, not only in service and experience, but specifically those touches, right? And so I think a lot of people tend to get overwhelmed with email, but I think if you're providing a high enough level of service and or a service that lasts long enough, that you can remove a lot of barriers and prevent a lot of potential issues by having a cleaner communication channel. Like literally moving from email to Slack with a client could save you so much time because you're more likely to ask a quick question they could briefly answer. You're less likely as the client to hold back you know, a set of changes or things you want to say because you have a quicker way to communicate. Now, does that cost you time? For sure. But like, what are you gaining on the other end by it? Like, it it reminds me of that, like progressive scenario you talked about where they send the car out. Like, are you potentially saving so much because you're creating a cleaner line of communication? And I think those are the holes that it is hard to see when you're in it every day of the easy button or the obvious answer, or at least what I feel like everyone else is saying you should do is how do you duplicate yourself and remove yourself from the process? And I can't tell you how many business owners I've chatted with when like that's actually in direct opposition with the goals and the idea and the outcome that they want with their business and for their clients. It's not the type of relationship they want to have with their people, but they think that that's the only way to increase capacity, which will increase revenue. And I'm just offering a different solution. And I want you to try on for size. Yes. What would it look like for you to spend more time with clients? Okay with a structure in place, with expectations and communications clearly outlined, what results could you provide? Different, better, bigger, deeper. What's the impact that could be because of those results? What are the referrals that you would get? What are the new client opportunities that would open up because of those changes that you're making? I think sometimes there's so much more available to you that's actually in alignment with what you want. Even though you're going to spend more time with clients, you'll be spending way less time in other areas. And what would happen if it was the kind of time like it was in the early days when you got so genuinely excited about working with a new client and really looked forward to getting to know them as a person and and even considered them a friend when you were done? Like what if every time you worked with someone, it, you, f- you had that same sensation and you felt the same way. I want you to have more of those relationships. And so much of that is only possible if you have the right things in place backing you up. It's not just a clean calendar. Like it's so much more than that. that. And I'll tell you, like, if you are looking to be like the silent service provider, like that's not what you're going to get from us. 
We are not team remove yourself from your client work, remove yourself from your job, remove yourself from the parts of your business and be, what is it called? Is it like a silent partner? Is that literally what it's called where you're just putting money into the business, but you don't have any say on how anything goes? Well, they call it even like owner versus operator. Many of you, you desire to operate your business. You want to be a part of these people's lives. If you want to be just an owner, I think a lot of you are in the wrong industry. Like, I think there's other businesses that go buy a franchise. (laughs) Right. There are other businesses that allow you to do and stay in that owner role a lot more easily than the industries y'all have chosen. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. So we have some questions for you to noodle on. And if you don't know the answer to these, we do. And so you don't have to know the answer. Okay. So the first question is just yes or no. You don't have to know what it is. Yes or no. Can you use technology to automate your service? Or a part of your service. Or a part of it. Okay. Can you use labor that is less expensive than you to deliver it? Yes, no, maybe. What could that look like? It could be an employee. It could be a contractor. It could be a white labeled outside agency. It could be a one-time thing you do with someone else. Like, Mm -hmm. are you, this is the big one. Are you staying away from the latest fad that might not have staying power? And the reason why I have this in the systems and structure is because the biggest deterrent to setting up systems and structure is time right? That's what we hear from every client. I don't have time to set up those automations. I don't have time to do the canned responses, to build the workflows, to build the CRM, to do this, even though I know it's going to do all of these things. I don't have time. Why don't you have time? Because you're dicking around with things that don't have staying power. What has staying power? Systems. Systems. And I would even argue like systems with a background. Like I know this may be a little bit old school, but you know, if you're looking at systems for your finances, you could go down the rabbit hole of finding some brand new software down the street that's super specific to your industry. Or you could use the software that literally 98% of all accountants use and assume you use to. (laughs) And like, it may have a bit more of a learning curve, but it is not going away. You know, people use QuickBooks. Like Intuit QuickBooks is the primary kind of software out there. So like you could end up wasting a lot of time learning a brand new software and that company could be gone in six months. And so like, I also think picking providers for some of these things that have staying power as well, like setting up canned responses in Google, like Google's not going anywhere. You know what I mean? Like there's other systems out there that may be fun. And I'm not saying they're not worth it at times, but I would say that the areas we've spent the most time and spent the most investment in, in terms of labor to set up and all of those things tend to be things that aren't going anywhere. Right. Well, I feel like we've gotten you into our systems cult. I I will (laughs) leave a systems cult. And the thing that I want you to take away from this and my last like thing that I'm going to yell at you about is I understand that systems and structure might not be the sexiest part of your business. And it might not be super obvious when you're diving in and thinking about it, how it's going to save you money, make you money or make the client experience better. Part of that is just going to have to be trust that of the like literal tens of thousands of business owners, we have helped to literally set up systems that we maybe know what we're talking about. That's the trust I'm going to ask from you. What I need 
you to realize is that as your job as the CEO and founder, which those are two completely different positions, but you hold both, it is your job to explore opportunities like this. Know that when you're putting in time to get back time, that it is worth it and that it is an investment, sometimes in time and money. And if you can't see the forest through the trees, that's okay. But as an experienced, established, six-figure plus business owner, it's time you start thinking about this if you haven't. Yeah. And I want to have a conversation with you about it. So send us a DM over on Instagram. Let us know where you feel like you're lacking a system or where you feel like maybe your customers are slowing you down. And let's brainstorm how we could bridge that gap. And if you want help identifying what systems you need inside your business and help with two of the biggest systems that every service provider needs, i.e. your CRM and your project management, then you need to apply. You need to go to bossproject.com slash incubator. I want to hear from you. We are here to help you set up what's next in your business. Looking to elevate your brand without the headache? Join the co-op, our creative template shop membership. With thousands of easy to customize templates, all crafted to seamlessly fit your business aesthetics. We make nurturing leads and driving sales effortless. We're talking serious impact and seriously simple creation. Become a member now at creativeshopcoop.com and transform your business today. That's creativeshopcoop.com. Hey, a few quick favors before you leave. I'd love if you'd share today's episode, send it to a friend who needs to hear it and post on social. You can show us where you're listening from, your favorite takeaway, or why someone else should listen. Be sure to tag me at Abigail Says and at Boss Project so we can share it. Okay, second favor, to get podcast updates and all the behind the scenes news from Boss Project, I'd love if you join my VIP list. Just head to bossproject.com slash sign up to make sure I have all your contact details. Really love this show? It would mean so much to me if you'd leave a rating and review. It not only helps more listeners find the show, but allows us to bring on quality sponsors so we can keep bringing you this valuable content for free. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time.